All right, it's a uh, it's a good day on Hay Fighting Podcast, and it's a bad day on Hay Fighting Podcast. The, the good news is that for the very first time, we're joined on the Hurry Up by Jacob Hester, which is always an honor and always a treat. The bad news is that LSU got beat again, uh, this time by Missouri, 45-41. And, Jacob, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. And fortunately, you know, one of the benefits of an 11 a.m. kickoff is you do have time to, at least me, I have time to process a little bit before we started talking. This this loss, even though it's been six hours, five hours since it ended, I'm still pretty angry about this loss. And it's a very different feeling for me than even the Mississippi State loss was. And I got a lot of I got a lot of stick after the Mississippi State loss, and probably deservedly so, but I was probably a little too encouraged with the good stuff and not as worried as I should have been about the bad stuff. Because when I saw the Mississippi State game, I thought if LSU fixes its man coverage issues, basically everything else is good enough to to win, and they're only going to get better. And this is going to be the worst they play defensively. And then today happened, and (laughs) LSU played worse defensively, and we saw a lot more issues than than uh, than we had seen before. And so, I turned to you. I turned to you as my sage, my sage football guru, and I ask you: um, Is it hopeless? Like, should we just end the season now? Should I just put the microphone down and and walk away and start another podcast? Maybe we could start that soccer podcast we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> this one, Cody, is more shocking to me than Mississippi State was. Uh, Mississippi State. Obviously, you didn't play well. You give up 600-plus yards, but you almost chalked it up to so much uncertainty. You didn't really know. First game, Derek Stingley misses, and maybe we made too many excuses. Like you said, like maybe we were trying to look for the good and not enough of the bad. And then you go play a Vanderbilt team who gave Texas A&M a fight, and you're thinking, oh, well, maybe Vanderbilt improved, and you go and you dominate that game. So – I'll be honest with you, before this game, I'm thinking you go in, you beat Mizzou, you get your mojo back, and then you play the Florida Gators, right? And Mm -hmm. I didn't see any of that today. This was a very upsetting game in in the fact that a team that you have way more talent than was able to dictate the game. Not only the pace, but the physicality of the game as well. That was the most surprising thing to me is the juice that they had and the way that they were bringing it to the LSU players and team. Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. I think this game for me was frustrating from like a competitive standpoint. Like I, I normally don't get too upset about LSU games, but even before I worked for LSU, I it's just not something I've ever taken really seriously. I guess it's always been more of a fun thing for me. But like today, part of like my ex-athlete like competitive side was just like "Mm, man I'd love to just like get out there and compete because you just didn't see that competitive edge you didn't see that competitive swagger and that's my that's my biggest concern with this team I remember talking with Derek Stingley in the offseason and we were just talking about the, the personality of the cornerback room and I'm not singling those guys out the whole defense was was bad and the offense wasn't perfect we'll we'll talk about some of that too but I remember talking about the personality of the cornerbacks, and he was like, we're, yeah, we're just a quieter group. You know, we have our own – like I was saying, you don't have that, like, Dante Jackson, Jamal Adams, even Tredavious White type of personality that 
always talking the whole game. Right. And and Derek said, yeah, but we have like we have our, our own quiet confidence. And I think that's fine. You can have quiet confidence. Joe Burrow's the, the king of quiet confidence. But to me, it points to a larger issue with this team is that just and and maybe maybe this is just like something that you say after you lose a football game. But I just didn't like that absence of just that that nasty edge, that winning edge that you've seen from LSU teams in the past. And I think the reason it didn't bother me against Mississippi State was, like we said, you're missing some guys, first game, weird off season, um, air raid, just weird circumstances. And it looked like it was just one thing that had to be fixed. And now I see like 80 things that have to be yeah. fixed. And that's a little concerning. If you're... If you're in that locker room, what is what is Sunday like? What is Monday like as a player? How do you – you're a leader on this team. How do you get this team steered in the right direction because Florida is looming yeah. this weekend? It, it's an uncomfortable Sunday, and it should be. And it should be really uncomfortable because we've heard Coach O talk about the lows, and you know they chalked them up, and they had to run for them. Okay, well, if you go watch this tape and somebody's not giving effort on a play or somebody is not doing what they're supposed to do as far as being physical and making sure that you're in the exact spot that you're supposed to be because you're giving that great effort, it's a real uncomfortable conversation with the team leader on Sunday. At least it should be. If it's not, that's more of a problem. So you should expect there to be some real in-depth conversations about, Hey, how bad do you want this? How bad? Because, you're more talented than your backup. That's why you're the starter. But if you're not going to give me A, B, and C, then we'll put the backup in there and we'll live with whatever we can get. So, yeah, it, look, when you're in a losing streak like this, and I know that it's, it's not technically a streak, but when you lose two of three in a place like LSU, that doesn't happen. First time they're one and two since 1994. Mm-hmm. You have to have that conversation. It has to be uncomfortable because you know what? You know this, and I think all of our listeners know this. It doesn't get easier. This no. was supposed to be the easy start, right? And so Florida's going to be pretty mad next week. They just lost to Texas A&M. Dan Mullen wants to have that thing packed as much as he can because the Florida governor said that you could do that, right? And so they know what that game means to them. And you've got some games on your schedule where there's no tucking your tail and go home. And I know that's Coach Joe's message. He's not going to run from it, right? He's going to shoulder all of the yeah. blame, even though we, we, we know that the head coach – is always going to do that, but it's it's got to come from the players. Yeah, yeah. I, the way that I've been doing this this season was the first thing that I would talk about was you know I'd call it first things first, and I'd say like one big takeaway from the game, and I think that's the big takeaway from this game. It's it's gut check time. Like it's it yeah. is absolutely gut check time for everybody in that building, and I think it's gut check time not necessarily for the fate of this season, although that's certainly in the balance. Um, but it was always going to be a weird season with some weird results, and we're already seeing that throughout college football. But it's also gut check time for the next steps for the program. And we, we've seen this before with LSU in 2008. It's tough after you win a national championship to sustain that, especially when you lose a bunch of guys. We've seen it with other sports. Baseball struggled to do it after the 2009 national championship. It's really hard to stay on top of that mountain. But it's absolutely gut check time for – um, the veterans to make sure that hey, you know we may have a ring, but like let's leave this thing better than we found it. And for the young guys, hey, like we got to set ourselves up for getting back to where we need to be. So 
I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because the other kind of reminder that I had, this feels very similar to the Troy loss in 2017. Now, it's very different circumstances as the result of the, the loss itself, but the obvious connection is what comes after it. You lost to Troy in 2017. The next week, you go to the Swamp with two losses, and you got a big win there. And so that's where this team is now. I think anyone after that Troy loss would have looked at that team and said, man, I don't think that team can turn it around, and they did. So that's where this team finds themselves. And the story that you always heard was the day after the Troy loss, Devin White was the first guy in the locker room. He took charge of that team. He played his tail off in Florida became an LSU legend uh, over the next two seasons. And so I'm looking for that guy now. Like I'm looking for that. It can be one guy. I'm not saying Devin was the only guy on that team that did that, but it's gut check time. And I want to see who that one guy is or who that those two guys are, especially defensively. The offense still has some improvements to make, but they were, they were good enough to win you the football game, but who's going to be that dude that steps up. You're exactly right. And you know, sometimes when you're bringing in new parts, that guy doesn't want to emerge. And you mentioned kind of the DBs being a quiet group. It doesn't necessarily even have to be your star, right? Devin White was a star, but he wasn't quite the star that he was his junior year, right? He was still a sophomore. He was still a young football player. It can, it can come from somebody that you don't expect it to. But you know what, Cody? You know this. You played uh, sports in college as well. It has to be from someone. It, it doesn't matter who it is, but it has to come from someone. It has to be genuine, and it has to almost kind of happen organically. Like, it has to come to that person. He's got to go out there, and he's got to just take the reins and say, there, there's a standard here, right? There is a standard of what LSU football is because LSU wasn't a one-hit wonder. Since 2000, they've won the second most national championships. No, this is a program that has pride. And so if it – if, if it happens from a star, that's great, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a star. It has to be somebody that goes out there and is contributing to the defense that goes out there and says, hey, no, this is how we're going to do it because this is where we're at and this is what this place is about. All right, let's look at the box score and some of the numbers that stand out. And I said this after the first week. Um, it was pretty obvious last week. I think it's pretty obvious this week too. The offense is in a good place. The offense is not perfect. Uh, 0 for 10 on third downs has to be fixed. Not being able to execute late at the one-yard line has to be fixed. But when you for, throw for 430 and four touchdowns and you put up 41 points, um, that, that's that's good enough. Um, there's certainly room for improvement. But what are the things that you're seeing offensively that is allowing LSU to have success? What are the things that LSU's got to fix? Well, I know one thing people are going to point to is running the football and trying to become balanced. But I can tell you, in LSU situation, when you are giving up points to the other offense and you feel like you have to be perfect, a lot of times you're going to call more pass plays because you feel like you need to get yards and bunches and you need to make big plays. And a lot of those explosive plays always come in the pass game, right? And so that's what they're doing right now. And they probably, you know, today, even look at the last series, they had five minutes. They could have gone out there and gone hurry up and tried to score and leave some time in case they didn't score. But I guarantee you the mindset was, hey, the defense right now is struggling. We're going to try to run this clock down as low as we can, get in the end zone and not leave them enough time. And so sometimes when you have one side that's going better than the other, 
Well, you try to play both sides of it. And it, that's very difficult. It's extremely difficult to do because you're thinking, okay, we can't score too fast, but we have to score. And so one has to help out the other. But I think some of the deficiencies from the offense, like running the football, is because, well, you just didn't do it a lot. You don't have that opportunity right now because you're trying to do so many different things for the team. It, you know, it, it reminds me of last year when the defense was struggling. I remember talking to Dave Aranda, I think before the Oklahoma game, and he went really in-depth on how people take for granted how how much offense and defense and football are dependent on each other because of what you just explained. It's so easy to – I mean, they're never on the field at the same time, so it's easy to separate them as almost separate teams. But you really do – a lot of your play calling is dictated on how the other side of the ball is doing. And so I think you saw some of that with LSU's offense tonight. Uh, I, I think the curiosities from – well, let me st- stay away from that first. Let me start with this. Miles Brennan continues to get better. Uh, he made some big-time plays tonight, put the ball in the money, completed 60% of his passes again, 430 yards, four touchdowns. I've seen a little bit of like, oh, you know, Terrace Marshall's making Miles Brennan look better or Eric Gilbert's making Miles Brennan look better. Of course they are. They're amazing football players, but he's doing his job getting it to them. And, uh, yeah, Terrace Marshall was awesome. 11 catches, 235, three touchdowns. Eric Gilbert was awesome. Six catches, 97 yards, a touchdown. Those guys were great, but he's doing a great job of distributing it to them. And there's not a whole lot that you could say about his play today other than that it was it was pretty good. Other than the third downs, which, honestly, all that I know is, is looking at the box score. It was 0 for 10. I'd have to go back and look at it and see what the particular issues were. I did see that I think all 10 of those third downs – LSU was throwing the ball. Um, yeah. I think Miles was four of ten on third down, and his average. I was looking at the Pro Football Focus numbers, which quickly after the game aren't always the most accurate. But his average distance of target on on third down throws was like three yards beyond the line of right. scrimmage, which is really short. Some of that was probably pressure. I remember sometimes he had to just get rid of it quick. Um, but they'll but they'll look at that and fix that. That's the kind of thing that like should be, in my opinion, something that you look at and you're like, oh, LSU scored 41 and won 41-24, but they were 0 of 10 on third downs. Well, they got to fix that, but hey, they won, and you know that's kind of how you feel that should be rather right. than, oh, they lost 45-41. Um, but, I mean, all in all, like, yeah, the offense, you want to see the running game get better. You want to see John – and I was going to say the curiosities. I expected more John Emery touches. He didn't yeah, get too. them. But, um, I mean, I just – yeah, like I, I could sit here and nitpick – on the offense and some of the things they have to fix, but I think we know them. And I just, they did enough. They were good enough. uh, Offensively, if you can't watch that game and even watch the first game and say there's been vast improvements from Miles Brennan, then you don't know football. I'll tell you that straight up. He's standing tall in the pocket. He's moving up in the pocket. He's delivering throws where they're supposed to be a majority of the time, giving his guys a chance. He went out there today, and if that performance isn't good enough to win you a football game, then I don't know football, and <laughs> I just I don't know what to tell you. And, and and he played hurt too. He got hurt. Like yeah. he got hurt. He went into the medical tent. I don't need to go into the extent of his injury, but he got hurt and showed some guts to come out and after he got hurt and and uh, and put some numbers on the board. So I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I think that's another that's another step in his evolution. Yeah. Is the 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 knock on him the question on him was is he going to be tough enough shoot he just he showed you today how tough he can be I, I thought today he did a really nice job of having some chaos around him the pocket was collapsing and he actually stood tall and delivered the ball down the field there was times where there wasn't a lot of room 
I almost thought, is his arm going to get hit like it did in Mississippi State? And I thought he delivered some really nice passes. You're, you're just not going to, to sit here and hear me talk about uh, the offense right now. Yes, they went 0 for 10 on third down. That's got to get fixed. They, they scored 41 points. Yeah, They put up a lot of yards. If that's not good enough to win you a football game, then what's good enough? Yep. You have to score 55 points and be you know 50% on third down? Okay, well, yeah, that should win you a game too. But what they did today – that should win them a game. And, yeah, they'd like to run the ball. They'd like to be balanced. But right now in the current situation, they feel like they have to be perfect. Yeah. I, you know, you, you mentioned earlier the last possession for LSU, and I tweeted during the game, I said, please score, please score, but don't score too fast. Like that was the tone of the game. And so yeah. it did kind of limit what they were going to do, or it certainly dictated what LSU was going to do and uh, ended up not getting the job done there in the red zone late. I don't. I don't even really want to talk about that that red zone stand just because you know you ran it twice and you couldn't get in from one yard out and that's you know that's that's really all there is to it. I, the, the next two play calls, you know, they got the handle the football and and the fourth down play they made a good play, but you kind of had to limit yourself with the rollout. Um, but you know, you had two shots at it from a yard out and you couldn't get there, so that yeah. that's a little frustrating. That's got to get better. I know for you too, like especially with Florida week coming up, like that's got to be something mm-hmm. that you look at and. You know, I don't want to draw sweeping conclusions. That's not, yeah, to me, s- signifying of the whole team. But just frustrating it. to get there. Okay, you I'll, do I'll it. talk. About, I'll talk about. You know, that's a mindset on the one yard line. They know you're running. You know you're running. They probably know where you're running. I mean, you, you mentioned the Florida game. They were pointing where we were running every fourth down in that game or every goal line stand. Yeah, it's all about. Okay, they know it. We know it. I'm still going to win this individual matchup because I'm better than you. I'm stronger than you, right? I'm more physical than you are. And it's extremely frustrating when you can't get it in from the one-yard line. I don't care if it's from the eye. I don't care if it's in shotgun. I know some people on Twitter said, why are we in shotgun and goal line? Well, that's who you are. That's who your team is now. That's what you're used to. If they would have gone under center and Miles fumbles it, well, he hadn't been under center all game, right? Yeah. So, no, it's still about you're on the one-yard line. I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care – what defense are running? You have to find a way to get in there. So, yes, yeah, as, as a former running back, fullback, it, it's very frustrating to see that. All right. So, I think the way I want to talk about the defense is um, mostly stylistically because execution-wise, they were all over the place, just not good. But what I noticed from this defense, and it was a continue. I, I thought coming into this season, especially after the Mississippi State game, this was going to be a blitz-heavy attacking defense that's what they were against Mississippi State and I actually I liked that aspect of it against Mississippi State they generated a ton of pressure against Vanderbilt they took the foot off the gas I think they blitzed 52 percent of the time on pass rushes against Mississippi State next week against Vanderbilt it was like half that and you're like okay well they still got pressure with four this this week against Missouri it was again 25 26 percent of the time they were blitzing rather than that 50 from the first week and didn't get the pressure this week for the first time. And so it's kind of like you were talking about earlier. At this point, like if I'm a defensive coordinator, as a guy that is not a, a football coach in any sense of the term, it's like I might might as well just like let's just attack. Like if we're going to lose, let's go down swinging. Let's go down trying to get after the quarterback, bringing five, six, seven guys. Right. And I don't know, Missouri, Missouri just looked really comfortable. That was the biggest thing for me. They looked super comfortable. Um 
they seem to really be dictating. I know some of that, you know, you talked about it during the week on our other podcast with the misdirection and stuff. I, I kind of yeah. asked you, like, what do you know about Missouri? And LSU's defense kind of looked like me, like they didn't they didn't know what was coming with the misdirection and stuff. So I would say, man, like next week against Florida, their offense is really good. Quarterback play has been good. Tight end's a stud. Just just bring the house and, like, just go down swinging. But that, that also could be a recipe for disaster. I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> Well, but I, I do understand what you're saying. So Missouri came out today and they're having success with some of the trick plays, some of the formation shifts, all those type of things. But there was a point in the game that they did become comfortable. They were standing tall in the pocket and they were just doing what they wanted to do. They were throwing the ball down the field. And that's because that pressure was not getting to them. And the the easiest thing for a young quarterback like they had starting today to do is stand tall in the pocket and throw it to his receivers. That's what he's done his whole life, right? Mm-hmm. You make him uncomfortable by getting him off of his spot, making him do some things that he's uncomfortable with. And so uh, there's a give and take, like you said, Mississippi State, uh, you give up 600 yards, but you you know brought some pressure. But I, I did think today that the Missouri quarterback had a lot of, of time to get rid of the football with some clean pockets. All right. So um, I I don't really want to talk about this game a whole lot more. Um, <laughs> it's one of those that I'd kind of like to forget, but I don't know, put your, your coaching hat on, like, where do you start? Do you, do you think these are correctable mistakes? Do you think that, um, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's three games into a season. And I, I, I do want to take this, this moment in particular to kind of reshift my own perspective. It's three games into the season. It was a crazy pandemic off season. Mm-hmm. You did lose a record number of people to the NFL. Right. So bumps in the road were expected. And a play here, a play there, you're 3-0 and instead of 0-3. Now, I'm not making excuses. I'm not trying to say that everything's rosy. But I am trying to find kind of the path forward. Right. Where, where, where do you start? Where, where does the fix start for you? This is just – and maybe it's the way, Cody, that I view football. I just – I need to see physicality. I need to see a little bit of, of pride in beating the, the man in your individual matchup. That's where it starts for me. Um, and you have to challenge people a little bit this week. And when you challenge people, it, I, I understand that sometimes I can go sideways. There's a way to do it. Coach O's really always been fantastic at the way he does it. That has to be done. You. On, on defense, like like we're talking about, okay, even if you lose, I want to see you lose with your hair on fire, yeah. right? Hey, if, we're, if we're only going to run the ball 10 times because that's the way that the game's dictated, okay, well, those 10 times, they're going to fill me all 10 times. Yeah, Just things like that. That's what they did in, in, in Florida after they lost to Troy. They had some gutsy performances from some defensive linemen, from Devin White, from a lot of people on that football team that were banged up, that were hurt. Uh, the defensive line, I think they had four, maybe five guys, and they played in the swamp, in the humidity. It was hotter than hail, but they didn't complain about it. They went out there and pulled the upset off. Okay, that's what you need to see this week because you mentioned it's gut check time. Who are you? What do you have? Okay, because there were some guys on last year's team that when they got punched in the gut, they didn't just cower. They came out swinging trying to figure mm-hmm. out, okay, who was that? I'm going to make sure I get you back. Find find who that is this week because it has to happen. Yeah. I, and I think we can get out on that note because um, that is the beauty of college football, football in particular. 
if LSU does fix a lot of that and they go to the swamp and they win next week, it changes everything for this season. It yeah. changes everything. It it gets you back in that mindset. It gets the team back in that track. And this is all Florida is almost like the perfect opponent for it because it's the swamp and yeah. everything that that rivalry means. So, um, look, there's a lot to fix. Luckily, me and you just talking to microphones and we don't have to be in there making the fixes. But we'll be watching. Right. And, you know, I, I do think there's high character players and I think there's proven coaches with this team. And so mm-hmm. I still think they're going to get it fixed. And Florida is the perfect time to fix it because there's a rivalry there. There's history in the swamp. So, hey, you know, yeah. learn from this, get better, win next week. And does it fix everything? No, but it sure leaves a better taste in the mouth than this one. It stops the bleeding. It stops yeah. the bleeding and allows you to move forward after that. And that's what you have to do. All right. Well, first hurry up. Uh, uh, yeah. This... I mean, not is it debut. your fault? Yeah, your... <laughs> not the debut that I wanted. So hopefully uh, next week is a uh, higher note. Let's just Man, if we go to the swamp and beat Florida, the hurry up's going to be lit next week. I'm telling you, it's going to be lit. So. Uh, Jake, thank you for uh, for joining. It makes it easier on me because now I don't have to like sit here and cut clips and like come up with my. Can you imagine me talking to myself after this game? Like, no. I, oh my gosh, not at it's all. Been rough. Wouldn't want to do that. Wouldn't right, do that well, to you. All right. Well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna log off now and go grab a drink and sit back and. You know what? I'm, I'm not gonna watch other teams win. I'm gonna watch other teams lose, and I'm just gonna. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna commiserate with them. Sounds good to me, brother. All right, man. Thank you. Like nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said fight, fight, fight. Victory for, victory for, victory for. Victory for 